Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I had severe vomiting three days prior to my stroke and my eyesight I couldn't get it to focus and the crazy part is the night before my stroke actually happened I did teledoc where you can on your phone call a doctor and have an online session with them and get prescribed something and I even talked to a medical professional and they thought I just had a stomach bug and prescribed me nausea medicine I actually woke up because I have a Maine Coon cat. They are like huge cats and they are called the dogs of the cat world. And my cat actually woke me up howling at me and batting at my face. He woke me up. And when I woke up, I realized I couldn't move half my body. And I think adrenaline just kicked in or I'm not sure what, but I felt that moment of what the heck is happening to me. And I actually said, God help me. I couldn't open my phone with my passcode because I couldn't get my hand to work. Somehow my phone opened and I couldn't, my mind couldn't wrap around dialing 911. So I hit the last call that I had made that happened to be my best friend who happened to pick up. And this was at 10, 30, 11 at night. And he picked up and he doesn't live very far and he said are you do you feel like you're dying i'm like i don't feel like i'm dying just something's wrong today i just had eye surgery three weeks ago and my eye is back it was cut incisions made and cut and turned back so i'm actually seeing single for the first time in over a year and i can walk with a cane and I'm getting functionality back in my right hand and right arm. So I'm, I feel very grateful. Um, I shouldn't be here. I should have died. Hello, this is Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Cervical artery dissection is a condition where you have a tear in the wall of one of the large blood vessels in your neck. It can cause blood clots in your arteries and that can affect the blood supply to your brain. Cervical artery dissection is one of the most common causes of stroke in people under 50. In this episode, we hear from Angie Blue, originally from Pittsburgh, now living in Charleston. Angie suffered a stroke at the age of 34. I own two businesses. I was an event and wedding planner for 15 years prior to my stroke. And when COVID hit, our industry went kaput. I mean, all over the world it did. So I had to think of something else to do to shift. 
And I started a social media management company eight months prior to my stroke. And I love the event industry. It was my, and hopefully sometime again in the future, my passion and love. I love being part of people's biggest moments in life, their weddings, their anniversaries. We did a lot of corporate events too, a lot of nonprofit galas and silent auctions. I absolutely loved all that. So I was doing that up until my stroke and I had a freak stroke out of nowhere. I'm a perfectly healthy person, no other health complications, nothing. I had severe vomiting three days prior to my stroke and my eyesight, I couldn't get it to focus. And the crazy part is the night before my stroke actually happened, I did Teladoc where you can on your phone call a doctor and have an online session with them and get prescribed something. And I even talked to a medical professional and they thought I just had a stomach bug and prescribed me nausea medicine. And the next day I had my stroke. That was really intense. One of the most challenging things that has ever happened to me totally caught me off guard. I had my own home and had my stroke in my home. I had passed it on my couch and woke up and half of my body wouldn't move. So it was pretty scary and I would never wish that on anybody. I actually woke up because I have a Maine Coon cat. They are like huge cats and they are called the dogs of the cat world. And my cat actually woke me up howling at me and batting at my face. He woke me up and when I woke up, I realized I couldn't move half my body and I think adrenaline just kicked in or I'm not sure what, but I felt that moment of what the heck is happening to me. And I actually said, God help me. And I felt just this rush of energy. And all I remember is getting into my phone, but I'm right-handed. So that's my dominant side. I couldn't open my phone with my passcode because I couldn't get my hand to work. Somehow my phone opened and I couldn't, my mind couldn't wrap around dialing 911. So I hit the last call that I had made that happened to be my best friend who happened to pick up. And this was at 10 30, 11 at night. And he picked up and he doesn't live very far. And he said, Are you, do you feel like you're dying? I'm like, I don't feel like I'm dying. Just something's wrong. And he came over to my house and he said, When he found me, I was on my dining room floor, like laid out and I was still alert, but I don't remember this part of it. He ended up calling 911, which is our emergency here. And the paramedics and EMTs came and took me away. And then I ended up in the hospital emergency room and they did MRIs, which I don't remember. But I do remember when I came out of that, the doctor came in and told me, so you've had a stroke. <laughs> and that's not something you think about when you're in your 30s, healthy, let alone. I actually said, I said, you've got to be effing kidding me. What are you talking about? And he's like, you've had a stroke. And we might need to do surgery within like the next 10, 15 minutes because explained to me and I later found out I had a artery tear in my neck 
that caused the clot that caused my stroke and they still don't know what caused the artery to tear. So it was, you might have to have surgery and have a stent put in your neck or you might not. And I've never been in a hospital since I've been born for myself. I've never had a broken bone, never had a cavity. I've never had surgery, like nothing. So it was everything all at once. And I'm very grateful that that doctor chose not to have surgery for me because I'm here and I didn't have any complications, you know, of a surgery on top of having a stroke. And my side effects from my stroke, I had my whole right side of my body paralyzed. And I also had my left eye paralyzed turned in that caused double vision. And today I just had eye surgery three weeks ago and my eye is back. It was cut incisions made and cut and turned back. So I'm actually seeing single for the first time in over a year and I can walk with a cane and I'm getting functionality back in my right hand and right arm. So I, I feel very grateful. Um, I shouldn't be here. I should have died and not woken up from when I had passed out on my couch or I should still be in a wheelchair and I'm a little over a year and I'm not. Since her stroke, Angie has been in therapy almost every day. I had my stroke in Dallas, Texas, where I was living and I was in ICU for a couple of weeks and then I was in the stroke ward and then I was in inpatient rehab at Baylor Scott White in Texas for three weeks, which was amazing. And then I had to move to Charleston, South Carolina because I needed full-time care and my mom and dad are retired. So my mom is my caregiver. So I moved here and I just happened where my parents just retired, by the way, here about it, like eight months before my stroke, they retired here and they're young and retired. So I got the best of both worlds on that, but they moved about 15, 20 minutes from uh, it's called Berkeley Hospital, and it's in the healthcare system of Roper here that has the stroke rehab center that I go to. And I'm in OT there, and I was in OT and PT. OT for your arm and hand, and PT for walking. So when I first started here, I was in a wheelchair, went to a walker, and now I'm on a quad cane. And then OT, since I'm right hand dominant, and that was my side that was affected. OT is really my main focus because that's the hardest part for me anyways, coming back my right hand and right arm. And I do all my therapies are geared towards reaching with your hand, being able to be independent again, arm strength, dexterity, being able to write again, you know, think of everything you do with your dominant hand. It's kind of strange. I have become somewhat ambidextrous. I can actually write with my left hand now, which is really weird. But I'm trying to get full use of my right hand and arm back because I still can't do a couple of things on a daily basis by myself. And I need to be able to do those things to live independently again. I love therapy. It is something I look forward to. I'm a very determined person and I want to get my life back. So therapy is my full-time job. I am 
considered disabled right now, especially when I have my double vision. I couldn't even look at a phone or watch TV or look at a computer screen for long. So I literally have only been able to see single for the last three weeks and over a year. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) But for progress, so for here and therapy, you only stay in therapy if you progress. So if you start regressing or if you, I guess the word is even out, you know, kind of stay at one point, then therapy stop. But I am a year post and still in therapy. And I would totally say to anyone that has gone through a stroke and anyone that has a survivor knows that therapy to me is the key. If you don't have therapy, it is so much harder to recover and time is so precious. You know, each day changes. It's, I remember back when my whole right side was flaccid and the first time my big toe moved, you know, it happened overnight. Woke up one morning and realized my toe moved. The first time my wrist moved or a finger moved, you know, it's, it's truly an hour by hour, day by day thing. And I always say my therapists are magic. They are the most patient people. It's an amazing profession to be a therapist for people that have had a life altering medical you know, condition or something happened to them because they are so patient, so kind. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't know how they do that day in and day out, but they do. And I would not be where I am today if I didn't have therapists. And I was very fortunate. I've never had any time lapse with my therapy from the day I had my stroke till now I've been in therapy. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. Our system is so broken. You have insurance having to approve therapies or not. And I would, I actually had no insurance when I had my stroke. And I really feel that actually saved me for my therapies because I have an amazing sister who used to work for a lawyer and she did all my applications for me in the States. You have to apply for social security and disability. And there are different charities you can apply for, for therapy. My sister did that for all of me. And I actually, this is so insane, but I have no medical bills to date because therapy has a hundred percent paid in full by charities in Texas and here in Charleston. I am very rare in that case and very lucky. And that's not everyone's story. And I want that to be everyone's story someday. Like I actually had come to a realization for my life. I cannot go back to what I used to do because I have to do something to help fellow young stroke survivors so that you hear more stories like mine, that mine is the norm, that people aren't sent home from ICU with no help, that people aren't sent home with no therapy, that people have months go by where they have no resources, et cetera. Like I, it took almost a year to date for me to get approved for disability and my now insurance. That is insane. Who has your average person does not have a year of resources saved to live or survive on top of not being able to function normally. 
And in the States, our system is super broken like that. And I want to uh, start something, probably a nonprofit or a foundation to help young stroke survivors when I'm able to get back to work. Coming up, Angie on using social media. If you want to have a larger community of people that have been through what we have, social media is a great place to find it. I'm in two stroke groups on Facebook. One is actually global and one is stateside. And it is a wonderful place to be able to talk to other people that have been through a stroke because only someone that's been through a stroke really knows what it's like. And that has been such an encouragement for me. And what loved ones can do to support stroke survivors. Remember that what we're going through, you don't understand and don't try to say you do because you don't. Just be there and be supportive and be there to listen and give us some grace because it is one of the most frustrating things to have your mind and body not listen to each other. Let's hear about Angie's recovery goals. I guess the end for me is I want my right hand or right arm to be functional again. Like I want to be able to put on, you know, my own bra, my own shirt, put my hair up. Like I can't do those things yet. Those are the last few things that I can't do on my own. And once I'm able to do those, I could be more independent again. So there is no time frame for me. I'm just going to stay in therapy as long as I progress. I'm in it. There's a medical university here called MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina. And they have some amazing free stroke studies for stroke survivors. So you can go down and you apply like an application, you know, depending on what, because every stroke is different, what happened to you. And if you qualify for what they're looking for their set for their study, it's free and you can come down and do their study. So I actually just finished a walking study there. It was eight sessions over a month-ish where I went down and, to MUSC and they put me in a harness like on my trunk of my body, a harness from the ceiling for safety. And they had a treadmill that is built into the floor. And I went in for eight different sessions where I had to practice walking on the treadmill. And they had all these little sensors hooked up on me. It kind of looked like Avatar from the movie Avatar, like all these little light sensors that were feeding back my walking to see if it improved over time based on my stroke. And my walking actually has improved. I was able to walk on a treadmill literally for the first time this past week went up to our gym and walked on a treadmill where you have to like hold on to it, but like the lowest speed possible, but I was able to do it for 15 minutes on my own. And I, I still have drop foot on my affected side. So that's why I have to use my cane. So I don't trip, but I'm trying to strengthen my foot and ankle to get it back to a regular walking speed. Having owned a social media company before, I always say, you know, the power of social media is amazing and it reaches so far. If you want to have a larger community of people that have been through what we have, 
Social media is a great place to find it. I'm in two stroke groups on Facebook. One is actually global and one is stateside. And it is a wonderful place to be able to talk to other people that have been through a stroke because only someone that's been through a stroke really knows what it's like. And that has been such an encouragement for me and helped me because I went from my, you know, city that I lived in for 17 years with a huge network of people, business and personal to moving to another city where I'm living in an over 55 community with my parents and I'm 35. (laughs) So on an online group support group has been a huge source of encouragement, peace, positivity for me because I'm very isolated here and use it. You know, social media is free on Instagram. I just went in and you can search hashtags you don't know that you can go up and type in stroke stroke life stroke recovery if you have you know i want to be outgoing and meet other people that have gone through what i have or who are supporting fellow stroke survivors you know reach out send a message just how i did for you guys i was like hey i saw your stuff it's i love what you do like wanted to get to know you more and i really think there's a bigger community online than people realize you just have to go find it here, Angie has advice for stroke survivors. I would say my advice to a fellow stroke survivor would be you are your best advocate and you need to speak up if something isn't working for you because everybody is different. And if you can't speak up, try to communicate that and how you can. And just remember Life is still beautiful and as hard as it is every day, it will get easier and it does. And then for loved ones, remember that what we're going through, you don't understand and don't try to say you do because you don't. Just be there and be supportive and be there to listen and give us some grace because it is one of the most frustrating things to have your mind and body not listen to each other. Angie is working hard to regain full mobility following her stroke and has big plans to help other stroke survivors in America get the best possible aftercare and therapy. Thank you for supporting us at Stroke Stories. Please do recommend the podcast to anybody you think it can help. And if you have a second, please rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you have a stroke story you can share, please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>